available now at CritAcademy.com. Our brand new book, Unearth Tips and Tricks, Volume 1, featuring all of your favorite monster variants, character concepts, encounters, magical items, and so much more. Grab your copy today for only $9.95. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. And now, from the Crit Academy Studios, sponsored by our generous patrons, here's the show. Take it away, boys! Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. A show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is I D&D games. This episode is brought to you by Jeff Stevens. The Fruit of Evil, a halfling girl battling a rare disease that no magic can cure, a fruit which has the power to heal and the power to corrupt, now guarded by mad siblings. A journey through a hostile forest, a trap tower, and a dungeon to retrieve the fruit to heal the young girl. Will your heroes be triumphant, or will they perish while attempting to retrieve the mysterious fruit? Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff-Stevens to get your copy today. Thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your rolls don't matter. That's right. Your rolls are like a rusted, dull, or broken weapon. Useless. Just ain't no good. <laughs> Ed says our show's explicit, not mature. That's funny. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta bring we like to start... We'd like to start off every episode on a high note by giving away Fat Loot's compliments of our sponsors. Fat Loot! <laughs> Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Brandon, who's our winner today? Our winner is dhorn 98 Um, congratulations, Djourn98, like DiGiorno, like a pizza. It's not delivery, it's Djourn98. Djourn. Djourn. Maybe. Uh, if you enjoy the adventure, yep. please make sure to leave Goblin Stone a review. Oops. We got a really great show for you guys today. Um, our Let's Talk About Blank segment is, is a question in regards to vampires. Our main topic today is weapon options, and our final segment is our unearthed tips and tricks where we bring you new and usable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure but before all that we spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realm brandon what's going on in your realm not too much i'm about ready to start inking one of our patrons uh 
commissions. So. Oh, that's exciting. I'm going to do that, color it, send it to him. Very cool. Who is it? Or what art piece is it? It's a gnome rogue, I think it was. Cool. I don't know. It's a traditional art, so he paid a little more to get it done. Okay. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Ian, what about you? Well, actually, over the weekend, I went to a uh, board gaming charity event that was up in Midland. I had a lot of fun with it. I also got no sleep because of it. Right. Any particular game you played? Um, there's a list. I mean, I brought Zombicide Black Plague that went over well. Sometimes the Multiverse went well. They We also played Sons of Catan. There's a couple of games in there that we played House in the Haunted Hill. Love that game. Yeah, yeah have us turned into werewolves because of the event in that one. <laughs> Very cool. And, um... Actually, I remember before I went went there, I gave a donation for like twenty five bucks, and I was told thank you because wait before you donated, it was at six hundred and sixty six bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that is creepy. <laughs> but I I had a lot of fun though, and it was a twenty four hour event. I didn't sleep for the whole time because I had to get some sleep before today. But when it was all said and done, though, I was up for twenty seven, twenty eight hours. <laughs> Jeez, so, dedication. So Justin, what's going in your realm? I. I'm playing Destiny 2. I got it free um, from Blizzard, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, and that I did my first video game stream, and that was exciting. Um, I talked to myself a lot. Did you actually get any watchers? Uh, I had somebody come in, but he didn't say nothing, so I just felt like I had a like a pedophile pervert watching me. That, that, that happens. <laughs> yeah. I've had like six people on stream once, and only one person was talking to me. Yeah. It's like, hey, so how are the other five? Okay, not to say anything, just keep watching. That's fine. <laughs> so that, that's that's really what's going on. Uh, I'm super excited. So keep an eye out for our Unearth Tips and Tricks book. I'm hoping to release it uh, uh, by the 1st of December. So we'll yep. see. All right, well, that'll do it for In the Realm. Uh, Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can visit other realms by visiting our website at CritAcademy.com. And we have a link there to Audible where you can get a free 30-day trial and a free book. Good stuff. That's really good. I love that you did that with just a, a one single little line there. Hmm? You nailed it. Well, I'm trying to give you props, man. That, that's the line you gave me, so it's kind of sticking into my mind now. <laughs> yeah, except for the very first line in the show that you couldn't get. <laughs> Eat my dick. <laughs> Careful, let me take you up on that. Uh, put it down not. your throat and flush your teeth with my ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so... Uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. Uh, I use Audible. I love Audible. I'm listening to the Mistborn series right now, which is fantastic. Good choice. Yeah. Actually, I think it was one of your, your recommendations. Yeah. It's Tate only wants one. a meal, not a snack. <laughs> Shut out, Tate. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Tate. It's not the size that matters. It's how you use it. But you That's can't get, bullshit. But you can't get to England in a rowboat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question from Daniel V. How would you turn a character or characters into a vampire without getting bitten? <laughs> With magic. Magic? Like a curse? Yeah, it could, yeah, it could be, be a curse or something could have a, a purposely undergone a ritual. Oh, I like that. A fancy ritual. How is, to how is vampirism done in 5th edition? You get bit by a vampire usually. Yeah, that's why he's asking how do you I was going to say, in a lot of lore, if you drink vampiric blood, you also get it too. Ooh, that could go tie into the ritual. Actually, or to a degree as well, if you ever watch like uh, Judge's Bizarre Adventures, one of the characters in there is a vampire. He became a vampire by placing a, a artifact that was a mask, and it turned him into one. We just, we, uh, we uh, our buddy Luke just had us... Uh, uh, watching some of that, and the stupid mask went on the guy's face, and he turned into a vampire, and he pss, in the middle of the sun when the sun came up. Yeah, pretty dope. 
Yep. Um, yeah, honestly, the first wait, thing I thought about was wait, like a... Wait, so you want to watch the first season? It wasn't the first season. It was like a compression of the first season. Because, honestly, the series does not pick up at all until the third story arc. Mm, that might be why they compressed it into a single movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways, traditionally getting bitten transfers the, 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 the virus, but I also think um, some sort of plague would be interesting. Ooh. Like, uh, you know, Dracula is tied to being able to turn into, a, like, a mist. What if this mist is, like, traveling around, like, floating just aimlessly, and mm-hmm. it happens to pass into a town, and it starts to change some of the people into vampires? <laughs> and because, though, so humans around, there's no humans that get blessed, they all start starving, so they all go insane and start taking the area around them. Ooh, that's nice. That's a that's a, that's an encounter idea right there. Yeah, that's a, that is a good one. I like that idea. So that when humans do come to the town, it's just, just ravenous death everywhere they're it's like 40 days 40 nights <laughs> they're all emaciated right they're super thin and scrawny you mean like what was it, like uh what was that one movie or 40 days of night i know which one you're talking about the one in alaska right? in alaska yeah yeah where this uh where some vampires attacking an isolated alaskan talent because it's like a uh, night for a whole month mm-hmm. God, that is a violent movie <laughs> i haven't seen it i saw clips and went holy crap <laughs> You watch a vampire fall into a giant like metal chipper, oh, <laughs> and the second he hits the blades, his body just <laughs> turns into <laughs> dust. He explodes. Yeah. Um. So those are some really good, interesting ideas. I like the ritual and the drinking of the blood. <laughs> I really think it depends on what you're trying to go for here, Daniel. If you're trying to go for something that the the players stumble into and start to become vampires themselves, I would go with like the the poison cloud or or something else like that, or maybe you know. Uh, the, you combine the blood with the drinking water. Maybe some vampires died in like the drinking water and it's rotting. And you find out in the bottom of the well is a dead, you know, bleeding out vampire, and they've been drinking it, and it's starting to turn them that's, or something like that. That's a scene from uh, Walking Dead. Is it? Oh yeah, when that's the zombie fell in the well. Yeah, there's a bloated zombie in a well, and they were about to drink the water, and someone like tackled and was like, "No, don't drink it. It's tainted." Huh. Oh yeah, when you mentioned the mist, it made me think of uh, like. A vampire or, or Drac just kind of walk walking through town at night and he goes, <coughs> "Excuse me, <laughs> he just needs us on someone. They become one." <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I like the, I like the uh, Helsing version. What happens in Helsing? In Helsing, if a vampire bites someone who's not a virgin, they turn into a ghoul who is a mindless zombie-like servant that the vampire controls. Mm-hmm. But if they bite a virgin, they become a vampire. Snap. Oh. That's a nice, subtle little little subtle detail there. Could make for a great puzzle. Um, in, like, an adventure, I think. And the thing about things, too, though, is there are, especially if you explore lore around the world, there are multiple types of vampires, mm-hmm. too. So, I mean, if you do some research into that, that could probably be well, my ideas. I'm a vegetarian vampire. I only eat sap. Jeez. <laughs> 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 That's so stupid. That's funny. Um, all right. Well, I think that'll do it. I think I hope we answered your question, Daniel. Um, if we didn't, please uh, send us a letter and let us hear your anger and rage. Money, money, money. Um, and send us five dollars <laughs> to expedite it to the front of the line because I have a huge email list. So moving on to our main topic, which is in fact the meat and potatoes of the show. <laughs> I'm getting so tired of that analogy. <laughs> you don't like it? You don't like meat and potatoes? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> We got a really exciting topic for you today. We're going to be discussing weapon options. Um, these aren't, uh, we've picked several options up from the uh, Cobalt Press Midgard Heroes Handbook. Um, they got a big old section on weapon options. So we picked a few to discuss, and then maybe we'll open up to some options we think would be cool on weapons that are some of our favorites um, to kind of go along with the, the same theme. That we don't have anything written down, which means it'll all be made up on the fly. 
We'll have a link to our in our show notes to the the book. We all know that you know a weapon is more than just the damage it deals, don't you think? Yep. You know, in combat, a skilled warrior used their weapons not only to to attack, but to confuse and disorient and and disadvantage their enemies before ever making a a, a killing stroke, right? Um, so today we're going to be discussing some of what Midgard Heroes Handbook offers um, to give them a real distinct uh, impact on the battlefield. Um, plus, of course, some of our own thoughts on it. Um, I think this was a really cool thing they did. Now, we're going to give you some samples. Some of the weapons have two or three um, options. We've only picked one for a couple different ones. Um, so there's a lot more for a lot of the different weapons, even some of the weapons that are part of, that are unique to the Midgard uh, setting. So, Ian, would you like to tell us about uh, the first weapon option here? All right. First off, this weapon option is actually for the great sword, Grinding Halt. Whenever you must make a strength saving throw to avoid being moved against your will, you can dig the blade of your greatsword into the ground as a reaction. Roll 2d6 and add the number rolled to the saving throw. If the effect pushing you does not have a saving throw, you move 5 feet fewer. That's neat. Not today! That's pretty much in every movie you see, right? Yeah. The guy with the big sword smashes it in the ground and they drag it to stop themselves. That's a great way to dull your blade. Um, and this is unique to... <laughs> in this one, you know, this is unique to the to the greatsword, so I think that that's fantastic and mixes it. If there was um, one feature you think would enhance, you know, and that every greatsword should have that should be a common mechanic, is there anything you would add? Cleaving. Cleaving? That makes sense. Yeah, that that definitely is a good one that makes sense. In the DMG specifically, they give an example of optional like cleaving. Like if you kill something, the extra damage goes to an adjacent target if the attack, attack would hit. Okay. So there is a rule for that as far as regarding melee weapons. I can also see an argument too for your strength modifier transferring over to somebody that's adjacent to your main target. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the first thing that I thought of is you ever see the heroes who dig their big giant great swords in the ground and then hide behind them? That's like anime stuff. <laughs> well, you know, still, I think that, you know, if you've got a big enough weapon, sure. right, you're using it as partial cover. I would be, I think it would be really cool that if somebody dug it into the ground to give themselves a temporary, you know, bonus to um, defense, even if it is, you know, partial cover or just a plus one or two to AC, much like a shield since it can be big enough, right? Mm-hmm. I definitely think that's really cool. Uh, next up, we got the longsword and it has lock blades. When a creature attacks you with a weapon, you may use your reaction to attempt a lock blades and parry their attack. Make an attack roll with your longsword. You have advantage on this roll if you are wielding your longsword with two hands. <laughs> if the result of this roll equals or exceeds their attack roll, their attack misses. What do you guys think about that? That's the, pretty baller. That's actually a nice touch, because the longsword, yeah, does have the versatile feature, but I don't think most people would use it, because your A is like, if I can just use both hands, why would I not use a greatsword? Or... In many cases, if you're using it one-handed, which is quite common, just because you can wield a shield on the other hand, especially if, like, the, if you're a fighter, if you took, like, the armor bonus one, mm-hmm. or the duelist, they give you a bonus to, to your one-handed attacks anyway, that, that's about equal, so that gives you an incentive to use a long sword with two hands. Right, right. What do you think, Brandon? I, I like the idea. I mean, the first thing I thought of was uh, Jedi. Oh, saber locks! When yeah, I saw it, yeah. <laughs> First thing I thought I was like, "Oh, hey, that looks bum, that sounds familiar." Bum, 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 bum. That's good. Yep. I think this is really cool because I can envision a player using it to their reaction to do a parry. But to me, um, 
I think this is interesting because there's already a mechanic built in that's a feature of one of the classes. Um, the uh, the parry mechanic for the Battlemaster. But I think this is interesting specifically because it takes advantage of the versatile feature. And the other thing, too, is the fact that even if you are a Battlemaster, you don't have to burn your superior dice to do this. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it just consumes your reaction. So that you could use that to take another... Another uh, battle master maneuver. Yeah, um, I think it's really cool. I think it really fits with the flavor. The first thing I thought of when I and was reading this is somebody charging at you and you catching their blade mid swing and like redirecting it so it smashes into the ground, something like that. That's kind of what that reminded me of. Once again, I watch a lot of anime, so that might be where I'm getting <laughs> that. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're so powerful, they just parry their weapon and like an explosion happens on the ground and shit. Yep. Um, I parried the weapon and the mountain next to me exploded. If there was any feature you think a longsword could benefit from that it should have that it doesn't, is there anything you can think of? I can think of a lot of options, but just just because if you look at a longsword, historically speaking, there's a lot more variations to longswords that most people don't realize. Because I know, like for example, like uh, I watched uh, a video because people always make the argument longsword versus katana, which one's better? And part of the argument they made in the video, like, okay, let's face it, when you picture a katana. Yes, there's five variations that make katanas and their qualities, but more or less, we look at a katana, you know what to expect, more or less. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the long swords, there was a lot more variations to them because each long sword was crafted with a particular methodology in mind. Like there were some long swords that were designed specifically for thrusting to get through chainmail, to get around broadsword, or some were made for more for slashing, or some more with parrying in mind too. Mm-hmm. Because, well, yeah. So, like, it's not the one-to-one test lots of people are making it out to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think if I was to give the longsword uh, a particular right. feature that it doesn't <laughs> actually have... Yeah, you totally... <laughs> <laughs> like, there wasn't a fork in the road with the question, but you just said, fuck it, I'm going off-road. <laughs> I, think, I feel like it's going to segue. Use that example to segue into something, but I forget what that segue is. forgot by the end of it. <laughs> Um, the one thing I think the long sword would benefit from, you actually mentioned katanas. Um, and that's something that I really think, um, I see a lot of complaints on the forums that why don't we have a katana? I always say reflavor the long sword, which just say it's a katana. I feel like that's an example that's given. It is. (laughs) Um, so the one thing that I think would really help with that is if there was a feature like a, a, like a quick draw feature or something added to it. Oh, sure. Where like, um, if you draw the weapon from the sheath, uh, and make an attack from a sheath position, maybe you get like an advantage on the first attack or something. Or maybe you'll have to do a move action. Oh, maybe. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, um, alrighty. Uh, the next weapon we have is the maul. This ability is called crushing blow. As an action, you can make a single attack roll with the maul against an armored or naturally armored creature. If the attack hits, the target's AC is permanently reduced by one until its armor is repaired, but it cannot be reduced. It cannot be reduced below ten plus its target's dex. Uh, ten plus the text. Uh, blah blah. Ten plus the target's dex modifier. This attack has no effect on creatures with magical armor unless your maul is also magical. So this is interesting because. One thing that does get overlooked in D&D is armor damage, right? At least in 5th yeah. edition. If you get hit a bunch, there's really no maintaining your equipment. It's just assumed you're doing that sort of stuff in, in, in downtime. In this one, this weapon, this feature of being, having a maul is saying, 
when you hit somebody, you begin to damage their their armor. Now, what makes it interesting is most armor, like for cloth, like leather wearers, is mostly just a static number plus their dex. So they don't probably won't see nearly as a big of excuse the pun impact um, as as uh, somebody who's wearing plate who has you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a 10 and plus zero as their tax, you know, and has 16 armor class. So Honestly, is, I could see that an argument for it just not doing that too little armor because it's already relatively flexible in the first place. Oh, that's a, that's actually a good point. Or even male to a degree, maybe more for like a plate-based armor of some kind. Or like yeah. A, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, and I, so I think this is really cool because it gives the mall this 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 we're starting to see now as we're reading through this, some of these how different it makes the features of the weapons. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer just a difference in just damage like it is in five E, but now you've got something that picking your weapon makes a difference. Now if you go back to some of the episodes we had about carrying multiple weapons, now you've got kind of something to work with, right? Because now mm-hmm. you can pick the best weapon for the job, right? Um, the, something I think that would be this really the nine iron. <laughs> One thing I think would be really cool to go with a maul or any big impacting weapon would be something that would have a chance to knock them to the ground. I think I've made a magical item that's done something that if you crit when you hit them, they have to make a constitution save or a strength saving throw or fall to the ground or something like that prone. Um, heavy impact weapons should have a lot of oomph to them. And so I would probably add some sort of feature that would uh, a weapon option that would include potentially knocking a foe to the ground when you hit them um in my case what do you guys think about that yeah i agree with it if it's a large weapon and you're getting smashed in the chest with this thing i'd expect that at some point you're probably gonna fall down yeah yeah then with a crushing blow that that permanently reducing your easy down by one that's a big deal especially if you're doing a pvp yeah it's gonna make the other person think twice about what they're doing and that's why you don't mess with Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, do you want to take our whip? Wh- All right, with the whip. Nene. The <laughs> I will shank you. <laughs> <laughs> the whip ability is snare. As part of your attack action, you may snap your whip around a creature or its weapon. If you target the weapon, the creature must make a strength saving throw or drop its wh- weapon at its feet. If you target the creature, it must make a strength saving throw or be restrained. It may repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns. You cannot make whip attacks unless the restraint condition is ended, which makes sense. Right, because essentially you're wrapped around the target, right? Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about this? I Good touch. The, was this not an ability that was included with a whip? <laughs> it sure wasn't, but it nope. feels like it should it be. It should huh? have been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm going to be honest. Um, if a player asks me to, uh, they want to use a whip, I probably will make this a feature of any whip that they use. Right. Um, because right now it's not really, it doesn't do some of the stuff you would expect it to as being part of a whip. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that has to do with the simplification of it. Wh- whenever you hear whip or think of a whip weapon, what, what, what's one of the first movies that comes to mind? Uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. And what does he do a lot with his whip? He disarm people. It. Does he disarm people? He I remember it. him He disarms people. He snares logs to jump from one pit to the other. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember cracking people. I remember shooting him a guy with a sword. And I, that has nothing to do with a whip. Yeah, it's because he was sick. And he, Actually, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was one of the interesting facts about that scene. But And I'm pretty sure all the uh, Castlevania fans would like this feature, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, very much so. Because right now, it's really low damage, but you get reach. Well, you can get high damage with a polearm, unless you're dex-based, but that's kind of the point, so, I guess. I say, speaking of Castle Bane, that should be something that's added, too. I think I watched this new season. Possibility. <gasps> it was awesome. I watched I finished it. I've heard that. It's oh, pretty it's out, out already? Yeah. Yeah, it's Ooh. pretty baller. But one of my favorite things to do in Castlevania uh, is when you have the whip, you just throw it out. If you hold down the button, the whip stays out and you can, like, twirl it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They should have that. Most people don't know that. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned that a lot of these uh, weapons have other other options in the book. You mentioned the the whip. One of the the other. Well, of course you mentioned which we're talking about the whip. One of the other features they're talking about is like cracking the whip and using it as like a tool to intimidate animals and stuff, like doing the the whip crack and stuff, which I think is cool. Ow! You hit me in the nose. Um, That's right. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but it's called like the bull whip or something. Uh, I really like this. Um, it really fills uh, an area that wasn't really fleshed out in the book for 5e. So I'm really glad to see that Cobalt Press kind of identified that and have now uh, have made you know adjustments and, and, and stuff like that. Um, the really the one thing that I think I would add to this is uh, I'd probably want to give the the wet whip an option that. Uh, <laughs> If you, <laughs> um, a trip feature, sure. Um, grab someone by the leg and pull them out. If it makes sense that you can grab grab their leg and pull it out, I'm not gonna prone. Um, yeah, yeah. Because there's a, once again, I would probably use the like the battle master feet as kind of a template. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be a really good option to go just with this weapon. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you got hammer and bludgeons, uh, and this ability is called improvised clobber. <laughs> I, like I, I right ahead. This one's pretty funny. <laughs> if you are using an improvised weapon that counts as a club. You may choose to strike with such force that your weapon breaks. As an action, make a single club attack. On a hit, this attack is an automatic critical hit, and your improvised club breaks. What legit. do you guys think? Legit. I, I imagine getting smashed over the head with a chair. I'm pretty sure that would fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> but then you'd have to find a new chair. Um, <laughs> I really I picked this one because I really like that in fact it encourages the improvised weapons use. Right? Sure. Um... And it makes that play more appealing. I already think it's fun because when I'm just, oh, I don't have a weapon. I've, I've made my character to just swing with whatever's nearby. All that is nearby is a rock. Okay, smash your head in the boulder. All that is nearby is a table. Break a table over your head. All that's nearby is a mailbox. Now I got them all. You know? Yep. <laughs> um, I really like that sort of play. So having a, a feature that really enhances that makes uh, improvised weapons more interesting. And you want to do it. Now, it also mentions, like, it basically says anything that counts as a club. So, t- chair, table leg, you know, anything like that. Um, I think this is really neat. Um, I can see myself applying something similar. Like, as a normal rule, if somebody hits somebody with a critical hit on an improvised weapon, making it break, mm-hmm. I think just would be cool. Um, but uh, would what when it comes to, like, hammers and bludgeons and this improvised clobber, uh, what kind of other features do you, uh, options would you you think you would add if you, you could? It's better there's not, like, a feature to make a creature dazed. Like, you hit them so hard off the head, they're just going, <laughs> like, they're saying stars for, for a round or something. That could be something that a good improvised weapon could do. <clears throat> right? Daze an opponent instead of being an auto-crit. You could change it to, like, a, a dazing effect or a stunning effect. Yeah. One still breaks or something like that, though. Like, <laughs> I, you have no idea how much I want to play, like, a, a bar once this run around beating people with frying pans. <laughs> <laughs> Dinner is served, bitch! Pack! <laughs> um, is that cast iron? Yes. <laughs> that one won't break. Um, the next weapon will, uh, is the dagger. Now, right now, 
I don't think daggers get enough love. Because really, why wouldn't you just wield two short swords? Because you can hide them easily. That's a good point. You can hide them. So and, the, the, and you can carry, in theory, a crap ton of them. <laughs> that's another point. So there, there are some points to that. But in combat, you probably would just use... You can throw them, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of little, tiny, subtle things. But I don't... There's only one person I've ever seen play dual daggers. And that was Ryan because of sheer flavor. Yep. He loved the idea of it. Well, with something like this, I think it really gives that a, a, a really a f- interesting feature we've all seen in movies and comics and stuff, yep. but isn't actually covered in the, the D&D stuff. It's called Pinning Point. If you make a melee or ranged attack with the dagger, you may attempt to pin a large or smaller creature to a wall or a surface by catching their clothing with the knife's point. Knife's point or dagger's point? I guess it doesn't matter. Nope. Uh, this maneuver can be used against creatures without clothing at the GM's discretion. Make an attack roll. If the attack hits, the target must make a strength saving throw. On a failure, the target's speed is reduced to zero until the dagger is removed. The target can make another strength saving throw as an action uh, on its turn. Great. Nothing about Starship Troopers. Medic! <laughs> 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 Sir, I just don't understand why we need knives. Because could you just press a button and fire a nuke? <laughs> Put your hand there on the wall, Private. Thunk! As you can see, if you disable your damn combatant's hand, he cannot use it to press a button to fire a nuke. <laughs> or something to that effect, anyway. That's pretty close. I really like that show. Or, after I saw a meme to do that shit with the clip. As you can see, if you disable the mage's hands, they cannot use their somatic components for their spells. <laughs> <laughs> that totally is a meme. I think you can make that one. No, they did. Oh, somebody one. already did make that? Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Um, so, what do you guys think about this uh, this pinning point for the dagger? I think you can have a lot of fun with this. And I give double see the argument being used... The- this feature not being used just for knives, but also for arrows or bolts, too. It actually mentions that right in the, the book, actually, um, regarding this particular feature in daggers. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I Once again, coming back to, you guys ever seen, or not coming back to, you guys ever seen Mystery Man? Guy that throws the forks? <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'd be the most badass chef in the world. I still need to watch that movie. Oh, you've never you seen, seen it? That? No. It's like, it's, it's so a hilarious funny. superhero movie. I know, that's why I want to see it. The guy's like throwing like kitchen knives. Or kitchen forks at people. You know that I know that you know. Wow, you want to behead me. I just thought you knew I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about this, Brandon? <laughs> I think it's an awesome concept to be able to take the big bad and just pin him down for a moment while he can take care of the Eddies. Yeah, yeah, that's legit. That's a legit strategy. Like, all right, Rogue, I know you're used to sleeping in from behind, but I need you to keep your distance and just keep him pinned against the wall. Why am I not picturing Edna from the crowd going, no capes? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, you mentioned uh, being able to uh, hide daggers easily. Yeah. The coolest trick, tri- if I could add a feature to this or an option, it'd be the stuff similar to uh, Ezio's little hidden mechanism oh, things, right? Ways. Like where he makes the, he can, they can pop out and give some sort of surprise for the first attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be really cool. <laughs> what about you guys? That'd be awesome. That would be cool. Of course, I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan, so of course yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing is, you ever seen the little the kunai on the ends of ropes? Yeah. Where you're like spinning and launching them? Mm-hmm. I think oh, that would yeah. be a really cool like variant you could do. Yeah. Um, which would be pretty baller because that'd just be really showy and flashy. You spin, twist, <laughs> and then drop the thing, and it falls in front of you, and you kick it with your foot right into the thing's head. Be awesome. All right. Our next weapon we are looking at is the hand crossbow. And this feature is concealed sidearm. 
instead of making a dexterity stealth check to hide yourself, you, you may make a, a dexterity sleight of hand check, contested by an active or passive wisdom perception check to conceal your hand crossbow. As an action, you may make a weapon attack with a concealed crossbow against a creature that has not yet acted in combat. This attack has advantage. Surprise, motherfucker. Eh? And especially if you're a roguelike character, that can definitely be a pretty big uh, leg up. Yeah, it could be very advantageous almost. Yep. Because it gives you advantage. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. What do you think, Brandon? I like the idea of a hidden weapon because I'm a big fan of surprise attacks. Although I guess it's not really considered a surprise attack, is it? Well, depends. Well, you're getting advantage, so surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like I like this. Um, I don't see hand crossbows used very often. I had one player use it on, in line with a rapier, um, just because she wanted to play like a witch hunter type thing. From a, oh Diablo, something like that. No, actually, I don't know if it's from Diablo. I think it was from the the idea was from the old maybe. I think it was from the old Warhammer Online game. I actually remember they in the a web comic once poked, but not the witch hunter or Hunter Class, or whatever it's called, in, D- in Diablo 3, mm-hmm. with the air dual wielding hand crossbows. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you think it looks cool. <sighs> Do you run out? <laughs> you gotta reload. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was playing, the, it was the Demon Hunter, I think. When I was playing the yeah. Demon Hunter, I always envisioned her like Laura cool. Croft that has these little things, and she just runs them down her side uh, backwards and cocks them and loads a bolt into them. Yep. Yeah, because I, 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 when I played the Demon Hunter, I was like, where is she getting all those bolts from? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is really cool. It adds a, a level of stealth to uh, an already really cool weapon that I don't think gets enough use. Um, don't let me go all Sullivan Kane on you. <laughs> the one thing I think I would add to this is like a, a, a quick reload um, or feature. And actually, oh, oh, I, I say that, works. but now that I think about it, I think it actually has like a rapid fire feature inside this book already. Sure. That you could reference for that. Um, I think we just had a magic item that did like a floating like spectral crossbow thing. Something like that. So mm-hmm. uh definitely multi bolts I think would be be a good one. Mm-hmm. Like uh the stupid bowcaster thing that uh Chewbacca w- uses yeah. where it shoots like three bolts at once or whatever, and it's like a spread shot. That yeah. could be interesting. Like give it disadvantage and then allow it to hit multiple targets adjacent to each other. I need to get one of these. That'd be really cool. Um when Han Solo was shot that one stormtrooper, it flew back like 30 feet. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. That was out of that new movie, right? Uh-huh. The older movie, not the newer one. The one that was a remake of episode five? Yes. Three. 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 Yeah, how four. many, four. How four. many giant four. planets yeah. are you going to blow up? <laughs> right. Um, anyways, so the last and final weapon that I, I put in here. Now, mind you, this is nowhere near the full collection that's in this book. There is one. There are features for every weapon. The gnat, even. The tridents, the pole axes, rapiers, short swords, everything. So keep that in mind. We only looked at a very small sample that's in this book. But a lot of them are very fun and very cool. I had to, of course, pick my f- personal favorite is the sling. We had an episode called Master That Sling, and it gave you lots of cool ideas for your sling. Uh, my personal favorite is choking a bitch um but you know <laughs> is wayne brady gonna have to choke a bitch uh i and i had a lot of fun with that so to see this in here getting some love um it had another uh, it, it, it made me really happy so this one is called the underdog strike actually i think i put a couple two of them in here i did you did so the first one you get is called underdog strike Tell me if it sounds familiar. As an action, you may make a single ranged weapon attack with your sling against a creature at least one size category larger than yourself. 
Uh, this attack deals normal weapon damage and an extra D4 bludgeoning per size category difference. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. Yeah. David and Goliath. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So you get a little bit of bonus. So this encourages you to play a small creature mm-hmm. with a sling, which I think is awesome. I'd have to, I'd play like a forest gnome who slings nuts at people. <laughs> you look like you could use a little more nut in your diet. Sunsubin! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, my uh, Cody, uh, one of my buddies, Cody, his son, he dressed him up as Krillin for Halloween, and it, he spot on. He's a little one-year-old. It's hilarious. Sure. Um, so I really think this is a really cool feature. Um, it really gets that flavor of... <laughs> Tater says, yeah, these how nuts. about these nuts? You could even call yourself D. Like, how would you like some of these nuts? <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Ed. Uh, Tater's the man. Um, so I really think this is a really neat... This is just a simple damage buff. Uh, it, I would say it puts it on par with like a crossbow or a heavy crossbow. Something like that. Isn't that a D8 or is that a D10? D10. So puts it up. it puts it up there and makes it uh, strong, a little bit stronger, which is pretty cool. Because, I mean, very few people use a sling. I think I was probably the first person I've seen use a sling in a very long time. And actually, people do underestimate how much damage an actual sling can do, yeah. especially somebody knows actually how to use it. Yeah. Um, and then one of the other uh, features it gets is called head crack. Um, as an action, you may make a single ranged weapon attack with your sling. If the attack hits, the target must make a constitution saving throw or be stunned until the next turn. Okay. So that's interesting. So it doesn't do damage, <laughs> but it stuns them. Gunk. What do you guys think of these abilities? I think it definitely adds a lot of utility to a weapon that people just don't use. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think it's a, a big deal, because I don't think anyone uses sling because it's such a puny-looking weapon. It doesn't seem cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those bad guys I was fighting had didn't think that. Yeah, I think the only time I've ever used a sling was when they first released the uh, pre-generated characters for the first playtest run for 5th edition. And it comes with a sling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I don't have a javelin or a crossbow that anybody can shoot or a bow that I can probably do a little damage. I can put a rock in a thin piece of cloth. Yeah, that does sound kind of... I, I don't know. I love the sling because you can throw all kinds of shit at, at people, but uh, you're right. Not a lot of people use it. I'm the, no. I, I'm the only person I can recall using it in all the D&D 5e games I've run. Oh, I feel like the um, back in ancient times, the Israelite soldiers actually used slings in actual warfare. <laughs> Man, I would love to try to learn how to use a sling. Yep. That'd be pretty dope. Uh, be pretty it's dope. not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. I um, made one out of uh, paracord ones. Went out back with a rock. <laughs> Okay, this isn't very easy to do. Okay, uh, I imagine it's a lot like uh, throwing underhanded, where you, you got to get the release just right to get it go the direction oh, yeah. you want. Um, anyways, so that'll do it for our main topic today. We did weapon options. Um, you can find these in many, many more in the Midgard Heroes Handbook from Cobalt Press. Um, we have links inside our show notes. Uh, definitely check it out, or you can go to cobaltpress.com or... Uh, Amazon and check out the book. It's really fantastic. Like I said, we didn't use do all the weapons and we didn't do all the different features for each weapon. So definitely take a look if this is something you really want to little spice up your spice up your characters a little bit. This is a good uh, good good options available. Before we move on to our final segment, our other tips and tricks, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. 
Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places and meeting colourful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Mark Bonington. Uh, congratulations to Mark Bonington. Uh, if you enjoyed it, <laughs> did anybody say who it was? I said Bonington. He said Bonington. I said Bonington. Oh, it's definitely Bonington. Bonington. Yes, Mark uh, Bonington. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy the adventure, please let Laura Smith know. Leave him a review. Tell him what you like. Moving on to our fourth and final segment, our on Earth Tips and Tricks segment. First on deck, we have our character concept left behind. You were raised by your aunt, father passing at a young age. After his passing, your mother left you to become an adventurer, in order to acquire the wealth needed to give you the life that you deserve. It has been many years now. She, she left so long ago, you've nearly forgotten her face. The scent of her lavender perfume is the strongest memory you have of her. You know she is alive, as your aunt continues to have gold coming in every few months. Enough that you are well taken care of, and that should you choose any apprenticeship or other training that you seek... You can get it. All you really want to know, though, is, does she still love you? You decided to become an adventurer. You've heard th- of the dangers, but that must be really great. An amazing experience. Why else would your mother not return to you? You set out in the hopes of experiencing the same amazing adventures your mother enjoys, in the hopes that someday you find the lavender sense of woman who is your mother. What do you guys think of this character concept? I think it's a good one. And it, it does <laughs> give a reason for your character to adventure forth, and I can see how... They may have a, um, uh, what's the word like for a, not an idealized version of what an adventure is being like. Right. Cause I mean, in this character, this character thinks that, oh, it must be an amazing experience. Why else would my mother not return to be my mother? Maybe because she's finding the undead horde that, re- that would otherwise remain unchecked and flood the land with their evilness. Honestly, that's not bad. And I think this is good because it leaves a lot of interpretation, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Brandon, do you recognize? Do you guys recognize any of this? I got two big inspirations for this story. Samar Champloo is, is, is one of them. Yeah. Nope. nope. Hunter seen, x Hunter. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Champloo or Hunter x Hunter. I've never seen Hunter x Hunter. I've heard good things. It's I've seen amazing. some episodes. It's amazing. Yeah. And Hunter x Hunter is gone. His dad leaves and doesn't ever come back. Isn't that becomes like, a hunter. Isn't that like every enemy ever because there's never a dad there? Well, but his dad just left. And, you know, anyway, anyway, Am I wrong? And then uh, the the That's so mad. what is the what does the dad smell like? Is it tribal, Sun, sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds. Um, so that was kind or of the inspiration. Of this. Like that. When I was making when I was making this encounter, I wanted something that wasn't a tragic background. I wanted something that could provide a little bit of hooks in the future. And I think this leaves it open for um, good hooks on what is your parent doing? Why is it they haven't returned? And is there a reason why they smell like lavenders? <laughs> Just the perfume, or is there something more to it? Maybe it's a magical cloak. I, I don't know. No, I, it actually, I, it reminds me of a story. What's that? Which one? A young boy who was enjoying his life, and he was being cocky and, and such, and 
his father would call him home every day from his job as like a blacksmith or, or something like that. And the kid ended up talking to a priest and he oh, said to, to, to appreciate, <laughs> to appreciate life more, look at your father's hands, try to understand. And the father would come home and his hands would be all cracked and nasty looking. And it makes me think that with this character concept, this person goes out into the wild, becomes an adventurer, and they realize how much effort their mother is putting into them because they're starting to experience what they, what their mother has. That's good. I like that. That's some deep shit, bro. They think, oh, this can't be too hard, and they find out how difficult it is. It's like, wow, it's just going through all this shit just for me. What I think would really be cool, you could, as a DM, if a player brought this to you, you could, you could tag, bring it along that as they're traveling, they start to find evidence of their their parent or her this character's mother. Like you end up going to this village where <laughs> it turns out that the the elder was somebody that her that person that character's mother saved some odd years ago, and she recognized them by the way they look, you know. Uh, and, and sees the family semblance and, and is hospitable towards them and has a, a good, you know, love for them. And when that. they eventually find their mother, they find them standing vigil in front of an arcane portal where the hordes of the, of the devs like, try to escape, but she holds them at bay. Holds them at bay. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so. well, when he said finding evidence of his mother, I thought you were talking like, oh, he's walking through the woods and that's, that's, her, that's her ring finger right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking something more of living up to the, living up to the hype, you know. <laughs> the reason she can't return is because she's got millions of, en- hundreds of enemies because she's been hunting and, and, and uh, taking bad guys out, you know. But anyways, so great. that is. <laughs> great, nothing about Genkai from Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> God, I love Genkai. Bar none, one of my favorite old characters. Yeah. Yeah, she's such an old Billy. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, shut up and listen, you dimwit. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, I know about you, Genkai. You're such a hero of justice. I hate people like you. You idiot. I don't care. Give a crap about justice. I just killed the enemies I needed to get what I wanted, and you all happen to be evil psychopaths. <laughs> yes. It was something like that, anyway. But she's got some pretty baller, uh, baller words when, she, especially when she's training his punk ass. Yep. That is our character concept of the podcast, Left Behind. Our monster variant of the day comes from patron Nathan Hurd. It is the Grinner. The uh, origin monster is the Tanaruk, um, which is actually in Volo's Guide. Yep. So, just for a warning, this is less of a variant, in my opinion, and more of a custom monster, just because there's so many changes. Um, but I still wanted to share this, because I think it's really cool. It's like if they turn the orc into the... If, if the orc might be the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, some orcs devote themselves to Grumsh by ripping out one of their own eyes in exchange for power. Other orcs, however, fall away from Grumsh and follow other destructive deities. Some orcs follow the archdemon Dentist. Dentist? <laughs> yes. It's spelled D Y N T I Z T, but later on it says pronounced Dentist. <laughs> These orcs gain their power by ripping out their own teeth and carving a permanent smile upon that face. Do you know how I got these scars? Oh my god. I made a de- pa- I made a pact with an archdemon named Dentist. <laughs> um, so there's a couple different changes to this uh, this stat block. Um, first, you have to bump up the wisdom because we're going to give it spellcasting. Yay. Um, in addition, you also give it uh, uh, bonus plus two to religion instead of perception and damage resistance uh, none instead of fire or poison so it loses a few things too um, the interest features of interest though 
Uh, first is the spellcasting. Um, the Grinner uses wisdom as its spellcasting modifier, but he gets access to some pretty interesting spells, um, many of which are in Cobalt Press's Deep Magic series in the Void ma- Magic book. So definitely check that out. He gains access to uh, Crushing Curse, Word of Misfortune, and Vicious Mockery. You smell. <laughs> Bane, Command, and Maddening Whispers. Now, each of those in and of their own are mostly different forms of control. Yeah. Um, but the thing that he's got that really stands out, in my opinion, is called shot. If the Grinner scores a critical hit, it leaves a disfiguring scar on the victim. The scar curves up from its mouth in an evil grin. And might even remove a tooth or two. <laughs> Ow! So, before I even go any farther, what do you guys think about that? This guy's a total psychopath. <laughs> well, first off, the chances of getting a critical hit and knowing that it's going to happen is still somewhat low. But to permanently just figure a character's face like that from a monster? Yeah. That's just... That, that player's never going to forget that fight. They won't. Ever. And now, some people, before you get your pantyhose in a bunch, or your boxers, you know, your tidy whities too tight, it says permanent. It's only as permanent until you find magic that can regenerate the flesh. Right. So it says permanent, but it's not really. That's why I think this is interesting, because I don't think I've ever seen a feature that literally calls out physically disfiguring the character permanently. Right. Um, so I thought that this was very interesting, and once again, it's very much a reminiscent of the Joker, I'll be honest. Um, that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> Let's rewind the hourglasses back a year. These adventurers wouldn't touch you. What happened, hmm? Did your boulders fall off? <laughs> <laughs> oh you see, my people God. like me, a freak. Yeah, people like me. Look, listen. <laughs> Don't stop, dude. Oh damn! I was gonna go with, uh, you gotta kill the Batman, but I'm trying to remember the uh the the Batman in that adventure we ran, and I can't remember his name. Baldock. Baldock. <laughs> you gotta kill the Baldock. He <laughs> um, said Bardock by accident. <laughs> yeah, I did. I cannot believe if you're I good at something. Don't do it for free. <laughs> um, so that in and of itself is a really cool one. Um, it has multi attack, so that increases its chance to really um. Fuck up your face. Yep. Personally. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Gums Malone. <laughs> um, and it adds one more feature that I think is interesting called Bellow. The Grinner unhinges its jaws along its scars, opening its mouth impossibly wide. It emits an otherworldly bellow that is audible for up to one mile away. That's a long ways. Yeah. All creatures within 30 feet of the Grinner must make a DC 15 wisdom saving throw. All creatures that fail to save take 5d6 thunder damage and are deafened. They can repeat the saving throw at the end, at the end of each of their turns, ending the effects of being deafened on a success. A creature that succeed on their save take half damage and only deafen until the start of their next turn. Creatures adjacent to the Grinner have disadvantage on the save and must fall prone and drop uh, any equipment they are holding uh, if they fail to save. So this is another thing that's very interesting because now that you've... You're you're te- essentially trying to incapacitate them in uh, some way, and being able to make them deaf. If it's in a dark cave, it allows you to uh, av- avoid detection a little easier. Getting the mm-hmm. run and run and stab kind of uh, monster, I, w- I think. 
What's the CR on this thing? Five. <laughs> well, that's what it originally is. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how much it changes with these other features. Um, but what do you guys think about this? It's an interesting uh, take on something that's already there. So yeah, yeah. for sure. I definitely could see using this as a big bad. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Nathan Hurd, I really like this. To me, this is a really good big battery um, because if the, you can manage to get a crit on a player and permanently disfigure them, mm. um, at least until if they don't have magic right away, it'll leave a very lasting impression. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I think anything like that stands out is awesome. I also love that the deity is an archdemon named Dentist. <laughs> I just think that's glorious. Dentist. Um, so thank you so much for your submission. Our encounter of the podcast comes from Charles K. Based off the Yellow Devil from the Mega Man games, you have a room with nine magical node spaces around the room. Every round, you roll a d10. If you roll a 10, or the number of Yellow Devil is currently at, he stays put and shoots Eldritch Blast at a random person in the room. If you roll a different number, he then dismantles and teleports, in quotes, to a node, uh, to the node rolled. If anyone is in the way, he collides with them and deals damage as his body slams into you. Well, then he's not teleporting. I guess that's why it's in quotes. <laughs> it's more like flying across the room. <laughs> this would be good for like a boulder type construct. Yep. Um, no opportunity attacks allowed. You can make a deck save for half damage, or you can scale the damage uh, to different party levels using the DM's guide. There are two ways to get past the encounter. Make it a puzzle in the room that you have to activate the different nodes in a certain order, or you have the yellow devil be a creature and they can attack and kill it in DM's choice. Uh, what do you guys think about this? A good puzzle I can necessarily appreciate, so that definitely would shake things up just from straight up combat. It's not a puzzle I've heard of before. Huh? It's not a puzzle I've heard of before. Yeah. Um, I think it's really neat. Honestly, I would think this would be less like a traditional monster and i would treat this more like a legendary action than i would like a feature of a monster or a trap or anything Maybe. Uh, i could see like using an earth elemental style monster that can break himself apart and just send it go flying around uh and knocking into people um i think the adding the puzzle that they gotta light the like if the nodes are channeling different types of energy um, maybe trying to find uh, using an arcane caster to channel energy into them or dispel them or trigger them in a certain uh, way or maybe even luring the monster to, to different nodes and having to do something with him when he's at a certain node. So I really like the opportunities that come with this. I like the randomness of the die roll. Um, I definitely think it would be interesting. It would be a lot of fun. My only question to you guys is which monster do we have to beat first to get the appropriate power to beat this guy? <laughs> That's how Mega Man works. You go and beat a certain one to get its power to... I've never played Mega Man. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Nope. What kind of gamer has never played Mega Man? Even on accident. Even on accident? Well, I did play it by accident, but I never actually played it through. You're dead to no. me. Yeah, I'd end up picking up something else. Hmm. Anyways, I really like this encounter, Charles. Thank you for submitting it. Um, like I said, I would probably treat this more like a legendary action mm-hmm. or a lair action, even. Sure. Um, than I would like a monster action, but definitely a really cool Ooh. idea. I can see that game both ways. Yeah. Brandon, do you want to talk about our magical item today? Our magical item comes from us by John G. The dagger of fuckery <laughs> <laughs> or shenanigans for the PG inclined. <laughs> we are certainly not the PG inclined. Speak for yourself. This weapon deals an extra 1d6 damage, determined at random by rolling a d12. I see. 
This finely crafted blade was left on the mortal plane by a lord of the plane of chaos. Before attacking, roll a d6 for the bonus to hit and damage if successful. Roll a d12 for the damage type. And then there's a list that breaks it down. There's yeah, a list. It's all the damage types. Lightning, force, acid, acid all that jazz. So we got 1 through 12. Acid, radiant, cold, fire, force, lightning, necrotic, piercing, poison, psychic, slashing, and thunder. Thunder. Oh. Thunder. You've been thunderstruck. <laughs> yes. How about that meme? <laughs> no, nope, yeah. not by the Irish music. <laughs> um, I think this is really cool because it's basically a blade made out of random shifting energy, right? Yep. And so whenever you happen to stab somebody is when it happens to, that's what element it is, which makes it really interesting. It gives it some strength and, and uh, randomness, which I think is baller. <laughs> the dagger of fuckery. <laughs> I think like dagger of chaos probably makes more sense. <sighs> chaos dagger. But, uh, I think this is really cool. I envision it having like a blade that's shimmering like with a prismatic energy Ooh. that's constantly shifting. Or maybe it looks like a nice crystal metal, but when you look at it, instead of like a reflection of normal steel, like you'll see a shift of crackling lightning and then maybe flames and, and could look like it's c- covered in like a gooey acid or something like that. It glows. Or maybe it's it like thrums. Or maybe it's like a, like a crystal that has like a shifting electrical light inside that keeps shifting colors as you stab people with it. That is way cooler than what I said. So we're gonna go with that. <laughs> this knife is fucking blue. I don't like blue. Okay, it's red. Well, I assume it changes just constantly, and it's just yep. random. But um, I I really liked playing the Chaos Sorcerer in Fourth Edition. Yep. And this really fits that theme, and I would love to to have it. The fact that it's a dagger means it uh, can be used and wielded by uh, a a, a caster, which is really good. Great. So now I'm thinking about the character Chaos Knight in Dota too. Dota. I don't play Dota. Well, I just remember a lot of like people in like the meta, if you will, hate that character mm-hmm. just because due to his chaotic nature of his spells, you don't quite know how much damage he's gonna do. So getting hit average, you get hit really awesome because like we're complete crap. <laughs> so. Story of my life. Some RNG attacks. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> we'll call it the Skittles dagger. <laughs> the dagger of Skittles come and taste the rainbow, bitch. Uh, that'll do it for our magic item. <laughs> uh, our dungeon master tip of the... Oh, you want to take our dungeon master? Do you like green apple? Fuck your throat. <laughs> I like the pair of lime. Lime. <laughs> our dungeon master tip for the week is brought to you by our patron, Nathan Herd. 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 And it's a physical... And, uh, uh, have to say everybody Physical herd props. About the herd. <laughs> Taste the rainbow and embrace the suck. <laughs> that's from date. That's funny. Uh, bring physical physical props for NPCs. I attempt accents and physical posture, and I'm slowly improving, but still not where I'd like to be with them. There's something in my eye. <laughs> oh, there's gotta be. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> wow. In a campaign with a lot. <laughs> In a campaign with a lot of NPCs, this poses a bit of a problem. So my solution is physical props. When I'm I'm role-playing the mysterious researcher that seems to want to help the PCs without wanting anything in return, I always hold a journal while I talk. When I'm role-playing a grizzled town guard captain, I'll wear a necklace with a direwolf pendant. The halfling charlatan wears a backwards baseball cap. (laughs) And the PCs... uh, that wants to keep a low profile has the baseball cap facing forwards. 
down over his face to hide his identity. When I'm role-playing the, the lord of the city, or any other important noble, I'll wear a Halloween crown. <laughs> Perhaps like this help my players visually... or. Props like this help my players visualize who they're talking to, and I've found that using props helps me get into character more easily and commit more fully to doing the accents, postures, etc. Uh, that make role-playing encounters so dynamic. It also helps when I have to role-play multiple NPCs at once. That's gotta be a pain in the ass. Oh yeah. Switching back and forth between wearing a baseball cap and wearing glasses ensures that players know who is talking and helps the conversation flow more smoothly. <laughs> um, honestly, Nathan, I want to just say, um, thank you Yeah, <laughs> because this is a stumbling block that I have all the time. And you've, you've seen it where I get my voices mixed up <laughs> when I'm trying to do three different voices in one scene and I forget which one goes to which character. I'm now totally picturing somebody like bringing like a box of hats, <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of weird hats too. Not like a baseball cap. Like one's a baseball cap. One's a cowboy hat. Another one's a fabulous looking hat. You know, what's a fez. I would I would totally make sock puppets and just have them talk over the DM screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Dungeon Bastard does that. It's hilarious. Who does? The, the uh, Dungeon Bastard. Oh, I didn't know. That's awesome. I'll check that out. I tell you about this show all the freaking time. Yeah, yeah, but I can't look. I don't have time to check every single thing out. And I'm so busy all the time. I still, um, I still laugh at what you talk about where uh, half works come from. Here's how I picture where half works come from. Face up two sock puppets. Picture two jacks at the bar. Dude. Hit that. <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nathan, I think this is an awesome uh, tip, and I am stealing it. Mm-hmm. 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 Because this will help me a lot, and I'm sure other people have problems like that. You guys ever have problems like that? Eh. Oh, I don't read DM, I mean, so... <laughs> The only the only time I had two NPCs that were talking at the same time, or like were right next to each other, was I was DMing, the players came into a shop at a pier, and there's a guy who had an eye patch on, and he talked all grizzled and everything, and he said, I'll, I'll be right back, I'll go check in the shop, or, so, or something like that. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, the players asked for something specific, and he said, try next door, they probably got something over there. <laughs> I remember this story! And he goes, oh, okay. And then they, they walk into the next thing, and they ring the bell, and they see a guy coming from the back who looks exactly like the shopkeep from the other shop, except the eye patch is on the other eye now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, do you have a twin? It's like, yes, I have a twin. And he's missing his right eye. I'm like, oh, okay. And they get talking, they buy their stuff, and you hear the jingle of the bells uh, on the door from the other shop that they were just in. And he goes, hang on a second. So he takes the eye patch, moves it to his other eye, and goes to the other store. <laughs> You should totally make that a sketch. I'm totally now picturing th- that picture I saw on Facebook. It was like a guy could be a Wheel of Fortune. He had an eye patch. And the caption for it was like, a Wife, I thought you hated Wheel of Fortune. I do. But I'm not changing this channel until this guy asked for an eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh all right. Thank you for your submission, Nathan. Uh <laughs> That'll do it for our DM tip. Uh, physical props for NPCs. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick! <laughs> God. And you can avoid dickitude by... Don't add your character to another player's backstory without talking to him first. I can't believe I gotta say this. This is a thing. This was a thing recently. Don't do this. It's their story, not yours. 
D&D is a collaborative story, but forcing yourself into someone else's history is a douche thing to do, and it's the same thing as forcing yourself into their bed. At least that's the way it feels. And the same goes the other way around. Don't add them to your story without talking to them first. Although I can see some uh, opportunities of people do uh, (laughs) inserting themselves. Like a picture, for example, like, uh, yeah, I went on a quest because this dick stole a family heirloom of mine. It was this excellent red crystal, does on a necklace. And that's how I got the picture, the rogue. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know we've had discussions on the show about having... um, uh, bonding links, right? Where yeah. you, you form a bond with somebody. That's kind of like this, but that's with permission, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to do this thing. You're going to make one, tell me one reason or how you know this person and one fact about your relationship. That sort of thing's acceptable. But when you write out a whole goddamn book and like a chapter of it is dedicated to something, inter- some interaction you're having with another character, please talk to that player first and make sure that that's okay and that's something they want because now that's something they have to fit into their story. Um, I had this happen in a game recently, and it's don't do this shit. <laughs> why do why do I have to tell people that? I guess I had to tell them to read the book too. So, um, you guys ever experienced something like this? You ever been taught your character ever been tossed into somebody else's story without your permission? Not necessarily. So, mm. but I could definitely see the argument for hey, don't do that. Not really. I mean, there's there's the beginning of a. Uh, a mod or something like that when we're doing that we're trying to figure out how the characters know each other yep but that's probably about as far as i've gone yeah all right well this is a very specific example and if you're out there listening and you know who you are (laughs) don't do that shit don't bring me shit like that no more okay (laughs) it's not okay um i mean if it's one line okay this person arrested me that okay fine but and especially if they're like the uh, town warden or sheriff or something. Yeah, like but came damn, from. man. Or if you really wanted to, like, go off what Ian was saying, that uh, this rogue stole a, an air, heirloom off me, and then when it gets to the rogue, he goes, I sold it. He's no longer tied to me. <laughs> uh, still a douche. Um, anyways, <laughs> so I know this sounds very particular, and it is, but obviously this is a thing people do. Um, I never only had this happen once to the point where it really pissed me off. And that was recently. So that's why it is now a player tip. (laughs) So I think that'll do it for our player tip. Don't be a dick. No, you're a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by don't add your character to other people's story or vice versa. All right. That's just, that's douche thing to do. That's not a lot. That's not a very complex one, but damn people. Come on. Um, all right, that'll do it for our show today. Uh, before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Steven. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Our winner for today is Matt No Name 75. 
So congratulations, Matt No Name. Uh, if you enjoyed the adventure, please leave Jeff Stevens a review and tell him what you like about the product. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing the law of the land. What is the appropriate punishment for stealing? You cut off the hands. So you can never steal again. See, that's what I thought, but apparently that's not everywhere, so... Yeah, well. We'll be discussing stuff, many things like that, appropriate punishments for different crimes that undoubtedly the players will do outside of murder hoboing. <laughs> so, if you have any feedback, unearthed tips and tricks, or topics you would like to, us to discuss, please send them. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or platform of your choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to subscribe. <laughs> Shut up. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. Compliments of our sponsors. You can also find links to our fellowship members there as well. If you have not checked out Interparty Conflict, um, Gabe and Jeff do an amazing show every week. They um, answer your questions to help bring you the best tabletop gaming experience possible. As well as check out D&D Character Lab. Every week they create very thorough, very in-depth characters and then argue whose baby is better. <laughs> We've got many other members of part part of our uh, Crit Nation Fellowship, so definitely check them out. Um, we do have a Patreon. If you think our show is worth a, a dollar a month, head on over to CritAcademy.com and click on our Patreon link. You can uh, sign up there for as little as a dollar a month, and depending on the tier, you get bonus content and access to special stuff. In addition, you can uh, support our show by um, checking out Brandon's art commissions. He does full-color art for $20 and line art for $8. Or you can just go onto our uh, website and click on either the tools section or buy a T-shirt in the swag area. T-shirt. And a uh, little bit of an update on my side here. August is Jonathan Shurdikin. September is David Pinado. Pinado? Pinado. It's one of our patrons. Uh October is Ryan Tringen, and November is Interparty Conflict. Those are the winners of the free commissions from August to now. I'm going to send emails out and get you guys so I can get those done. That'll be on you. Send out those emails. No shit. All right. <laughs> um, uh, I'm your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs> Keep those weapons. Kill them. Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. <laughs>